You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On. To get podcast on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports, we are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte on this Wednesday, a snowy, rainy mix Wednesday here in Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my panel. We've got first from the mean streets of Cotswold, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. We're going on day four of kids home from school. Spirits are low. Morale <laughs> dearest, is waiting. Dearest Martha. Dearest, dearest Martha. Send reinforcements. Yes. Yeah, no. So that's the that's the whole deal, right? That like snow days are fun for children, less fun for adults. That's like oh, the, it's we're gonna have fun with it. It's just coming off a three day weekend. You know, uh, it's something we were not mentally prepared for, but we'll get there. Oh, I get it. You have to mentally. You have to mentally prepare for something like that. Mentally, emotionally, uh, yes, Doug. They, 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 you have to get ready. All right. All over. From the capital city where apparently it's it's just started to snow. We've got Nick Denning on the phone. Yeah, see, snow days, as someone who is also, you know, in a, in a form of education, snow days can be okay. You know, occasionally you just kind of want a day off. but And as with no children, it, I don't have that burden upon me. So, yeah. Oh, it's not a burden, Nick. It's uh, it's the joy of my life. So yeah, okay, yeah. You, <laughs> David, has to lay down the disclaimers for all the parents out there. Oh yeah, yeah. They're fun. Kids are kids are great. Love love kids. Love kids. <laughs> rascals. Um, rascals. <laughs> all right. Thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Draft. It's like a fantasy basketball, but way better. Sign up at Draft.com. Use our promo code LO Hornets, and you will get a free game with your first deposit, and we are going to do a live draft here in a few moments where we, uh, we're we basically going to draft one Hornet, one Wizard, and then it's a free-for-all, and we're going to see uh, who wins this game. And I think the bet, since they're playing the Washington Wizards, I think we can make it pretty easy for this one. We always put a little something interesting other than money uh, into this uh, draft Wednesday, and I think Wizard, Wizard Hat, so you got to wear a wizard hat for for a show. Is that cool? Got the Mountie this hat a, already. David already owes this, me a Mountie hat. This will be our second hat related wager. Now, listen, we, maybe I'm I, phoning we, it in a little bit on draft Wednesday. <laughs> what if? How about? No, can I can I propose something? Can I like since since they're the wizards, maybe we get a wish, and my wish can be just to not have to do any of these uh, things. You know, since I won, you know, or, I just get to erase all the ones that I have to do. So. You're right. You are Debbie Downer. No, that's a no. I have another. I have another proposal for these. Should we should we make it a, a month long thing? So so like at the end of the month, perhaps we determine a a a, a winner and loser as, as opposed to every week. The, these challenges are starting to add up, is what I'm saying. Well, because you guys won't pay them, that's why they are adding up. They oh, wouldn't. Okay. They well, would not be long. adding your ledger. You're in the red for a reason. As you're not paying keep- your debts. You are not okay. Lannisters. I believe you have you have a debt to be paid as well. Yes, I have a sunglass, and I will take care of it on Fun Friday. You guys should take care of some of yours. Oh, you have to wear sunglasses. 
<laughs> hey, listen, Ooh. we all agreed to the bet. The bet is the bet. Yeah, a, I like that one. Okay, uh, we're, we got a fun show ahead. We're going to talk about practice. The Hornets were back at practice. Steve Clifford was back at practice. We're going to hear from him. Plus, we will preview this game against the Washington Wizards. Uh, but let's start with the continuing saga that is the Rockets and Clippers. It wasn't even a melee. It was a. It was a. Uh, it was a not melee. Uh, essentially, no, no, no violence happened at all. It was just sneaking into locker rooms and not fighting. Uh, there's like more. Summer camp. There's that more. Was like there, a summer camp excursion. That's right, a summer camp excursion. That's a perfect way to describe it, David. There was more fighting in the Magic Timberwolves game than there was. Oof. In this uh, uh, locker room, uh, this locker room uh, tizzy that they got into, and I, I think I said kerfuffle uh, the yesterday. I think it's kerfuffle. I think I added an extra L in there, which both the Rockets and the Clippers deserve for this entire saga. It made Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter use the word tomfoolery. <laughs> Anytime you can make Woj say tomfoolery on Twitter. Guys, what's what's going on in the NBA right now? Though there's fights, you got you got players saying they're done with referees, which I got news for them that that's impossible. Um, I mean, this All Star break is not how it works. They're they're always going to be referees. (laughs) Uh, It's an interesting All Star break, right? With this this meeting, this big summit between the players and the and the refs. Well, so so we're coming down off of the the post. Uh, malice at the palace. You know, after that, that the the punishments were so harsh for that that you saw everyone sort of rain rain that aggression back, rain the the fake fights back because there was there was so much fear about losing a significant amount of games for getting involved in any kind of altercation, and just you that happened so long ago. Naturally, I think t- things tend to sway and and ebb and flow, and you're seeing guys again push the limits of what you can get away with. And you saw Aaron Aflalo last night take a swing at Bielitsa from the Timberwolves, and that would have called him like 10 games after the Malice of the Palace. The James Johnson, the James Johnson thing got one game. That's we okay, about, exactly. Isn't that crazy? Exactly, because I mean, we thought it was going to be first. we thought it was going to be multiple games, David. Yeah, he took two swings. He got he got a game. So I mean, this is weird though, because I've never I mean it's contentious between it's almost to a personal level between the players and the refs. I don't recall ever seeing this type of constant criticism after the fact. Like, there's always going to be disagreements between players and refs, but like this is just kind of it seems like a weird. Well, you ne- have you next- have players charging at refs. You have yeah. coaches making contact with refs. That's the thing. And when you don't, when you when the punishment doesn't happen after those things, when that punishment is not severe then naturally players go, okay, this is going to be allowed and they're going to push the limits. This is a highly competitive, highly volatile situation that they put themselves in every night. Emotions are running high. Testosterone is running high. And these things, yeah, these things need to, I think it needs to be, I said it when when you had the LeBron James situation with the referee. I think these situations have to be addressed immediately or they get out of hand. So well, don't you feel like they're saying that they're basically saying the refs aren't good? I mean, that's what this feels like to me, Nick. Like the players are out there saying, I'm done with these refs. They don't know what they're doing. Like we all know that refs have their good nights and bad nights and some games are are bad. But I mean, just watch a college game, guys, if you really want to get frustrated at some of the calls that are going on. Yeah. There. Like, I mean, I, I get it. But there is there some 
responsibility for some professionalism on both sides of this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is. I mean, but it's it's interesting to see. Like, I mean, you know, we I, I we have the pleasure of watching a lot of Hornets games, um, and you see, but you, you're starting to see more reactions. Like, I just feel like I feel like Kemba's reacting more often. Other players are maybe following his lead. Um, Lamb, yeah, Lamb got a got a tech the other night. I mean, Lamb was chasing a ref down the floor. Yeah, um, he earned so, it. So and and it's yeah, and it's not <laughs> Eric I mean, Collins. Not Eric Collins Lamb. called it before it happened. He, he was Co- like, "That's a tech." Right. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> yeah. oh, like, yes! like, like, like Lamb is the guy who like looks like he's having zero fun as he drops thirty points. Like he just never has any reaction, or occasionally he has a reaction. But you know, so yeah, this is it, it, there. It's interesting. Um, I, I I don't really have much else to say beyond that. All so right, so <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, it's interesting too that uh, it looks like Chris Paul and James Harden. Are being framed as the the people who were trying to hold Trevor Ariza back as they snuck into the Clippers. Yeah. Okay, sure, gotcha. The two best players on right. the team, two stars of the NBA, yeah. being framed as the the peacemakers. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. I totally, totally buy that argument. One, one of them knows like the back entrances, right? Because they right. used to play there, exactly. Right? Yeah, so. By the way, the Hornets locker room actually has a kind of secret back entrance to a to an equipment oh, room scoop i don't know yeah, if that, was I, on, that was on the equipment video we saw a couple yeah, of weeks ago yeah so the equipment yeah. it's, it's the way the equipment manager there's some storage back there and they you know they move stuff in and out through through that door so maybe that's the same kind of thing that's connected to both locker rooms anyway further investigation needed let's talk about practice we talking about we will be perfect perfection perfection in every aspect of the game what are we talking about practice practice hornets back at practice yesterday with their head coach steve clifford returning after being gone for more than a month to address severe headaches nick batum said that practices went right back to the cliff style defense first he kind of laughed about that because that's the that's just a way the Clifford runs the practices. Intense, defense first. Maybe Silas was more offense first. Now Clifford's back. It's back to defense. But big challenges lie ahead for Coach Clifford to find something offensively that will work for this team. We have to find two or three things at both ends of the floor that can make the difference so we can make progress. You know, it might be one play for Jeremy Lamb that an action that we're not using him in that gives him two more baskets a game. It might be one more way to get one more fast fast break basket. Listen, our first year, once we picked up Gary Neal, who was coming off the bench, we went up like seven offensive rating points in offense. And one of a lot of it was him. We scored over three offensive rebound baskets a game more per game. And it was all Gilchrist and Zeller. And it was just, you know, a couple of the assistants coming in saying, why don't we just let these guys go? You know, it's it's never easy. You know what I mean? That's where the film work is everything. David, it sounds like they're still searching for something on this team offensively or or even maybe defensively to get them going back in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they've seen a little bit of it over the last couple of weeks, and you hope some of these improvements maybe now that Clifford comes back in, like you just got to hope that there's a timing issue where he comes back, you know, they, they can refocus, they can use some of the things that they have had go well. And now that he's back in, maybe he had a little chance to see, step away and see what's gone right and what's gone wrong. 
because they've got a chance to still make a little push here. And they've had some success, certainly more success than they had prior to his his exit. So they're going to have to keep working there, Doug. I mean, that's what we talked about. Like, you need Nick Batum to put a couple games together. You need these guys to keep performing at that level so they don't have to depend on the free throws every night. But, you, you know, they're going to need all that stuff and better shooting. And Nick, he also mentions Gary Neal there, someone brought in via trade. We are approaching the trade deadline. Is this a little subtle uh, subtweeting by Steve Clifford? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like he wants Gary Neal back, right? I mean, no, that absolutely. I mean, we're you know we're less than a month from from that deadline. Um, I I have you know without any actual sources, I, I feel positive that, that that they are looking for um, probably something. This is what the Hornets do at the deadline. Um, so um, I guess it comes down to whether or not they'll be buyers or sellers. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, if they can get the right piece, you know, that could be a debate for a complete, for another podcast, um, you know, then, yeah, it could be a situation where they suddenly, you know, their, their offensive rating jumps seven points. Yeah, so, I think a lot of people are questioning if the Hornets have all the tools necessary to grill this hamburger, right? I mean, they, they still right. have this issue where when Kimball Walker leaves the floor, they fail to produce consistent offense. Uh, so that's it. That's an issue that still needs to be addressed. I'm not sure that there's uh, anything that they could do on a on a fundamental level to to in terms of bringing in a player to fix that starting lineup, the spacing issues that they have there, uh, unless unless they again wanted to take on more long term money. I'm not sure that. It, I'm, and what I'm right. saying is I'm not sure that there's a blockbuster move out there for the Charlotte Hornets, both because of what the Hornets have on their roster to offer and where they see themselves going this season or their their potential to go this season and you add to that the trade market itself is a little thin right now you haven't seen major names being floated around in the rumor mill the trade deadline is earlier this season that's affecting a lot of things so this could this could be very interesting for the hornets as we approach february 8th and something that's being talked about right now is the calorie set for the (laughs) The calorie sap, yes. <laughs> not, people, not, enough, actually, not enough people talk about the calorie sap. They're always talking about the salary cap. Um, but, but, like, a lot of teams are in a similar position from the Hornets, right? They're not going to have a ton of room this offseason. So to see a lot of big names and big money getting moved, it's going to be tough to find those slots. So I think that's another piece of it, too. Like, it feels like this is one of these small moves. I mean, there's always a big move that kind of starts the domino effect in trade season. But especially for the Hornets, I think their ideal move is going to be something where, you know, if they could write a a perfect recipe, it's going to be to get a young guy and to shed some money and to not lose any shooting. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's that's got to be the goal. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, draft our fantasy team courtesy of draft. Dot com And there's going to be a listener draft later in the day as well. And we've got more from practice, including another thing that the Hornets have yet to figure out. And that's this partnership or maybe a lack of partnership between Nick Batum and Dwight Howard. It was the conversation at practice. We'll have that ahead as well. Stick with us. This is Locked On Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiator stab him real quick in the ribs before Have an the Eastern game. European accent. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, fantasy basketball fans, listen up. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try our new favorite app, Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. You just set it, and you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wires. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Draft start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now. The cool thing about draft to me is that like, I, I kind of like daily fantasy, but I don't like the idea that other people can draft my players too. In draft, you, you, you get to draft. You get to draft the players and you get to keep them and you get to keep all of the glory if you win as well. And the best part is it's not just glory. You get to play for cold, hard cash as well. Draft start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Come and join us on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code LOHORNETS. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using our promo code LOHORNETS on your first deposit on Draft. And so we're drafting our teams right now and again our rules for our draft are that we have to take a hornet and a a member of the washington Wizards. so uh david went with kimball walker i'm gonna go with john wall in my first round man it started right before oh, good thing i had my cue up you did it well that's the <laughs> thing you can set your cue you can set your cues that's a that's a that's an important part of this whole draft process all right, so you're going to go I, Beal. Let me, do I, let me ask, do, do I have to take my Hornet now? No, yes. you can wait. What? You can, you oh, can if you want. Super speed, super, oh, no, yeah. no, no. Oh, you, oh, you have to take it now. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. You have to take it now. I'm sorry, Nick. I don't know the rules. All right. I made the rules. See, I, go, I don't know the rules. That's the problem. Let's see. I'll go to the, uh, go to the Dwight House. Uh, I'll go to the White House. <laughs> I have to. I think. I, I think I'm, it's. I'm, I'm going to get some terrible players now. This is terrible. Yeah. This is a terrible yep. idea. Well, that's no, fine. That's, you see, no, idea. that isn't fine. See, this is why. This is why these things are rigged from the start. This is. It's rigged. It's fake news. All right. So I went Otto Porter Jr. I've got some things to say about old Otto Porter Jr. and our Wizards uh, uh, preview coming up later in the show. So you want to take a listen to that. But while 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 we finish up this draft, because I'm basically going to auto draft from this point on and just take my chances. Uh, but oh. I want I want to get back to practice. Uh, th- I just previewed it before that little break. There, they've yet to figure out this partnership between Nick Batum and Dwight Howard, right? I think that's pretty apparent on the court. You've oh, seen you've yeah. seen Nick Batum struggle to score. You've seen Nick Batum struggle to be a part of the offense. He complained about it after the Utah Jazz game, saying that. Uh, basically, the ball's not moving enough, and and he's having to give up a lot of his usage to Kimball Walker naturally, but also Dwight Howard, who they've added to this roster, and the, he has to share the court with both Kimball Walker and Dwight Howard at all times, and yeah. and that's meant less usage for Nick Batum. It was about twenty two percent last year, down to seventeen this year. Uh, here's Batum on the state of that relationship between himself and Dwight Howard. We still have to figure it out. Like sometimes we, we, we want the ball, sometimes we want to do the spin, sometimes I give the ball on the pole. I mean, those details, I mean, we still got to figure it out because it's not easy to play with one guy with so dominant sometimes. So, because it's so like the way he played last night, that was easy for me to play with him. 
know, it depends on the matchup. Sometimes the way they guard him, the way they guard me on pick and roll, and but we're going to be all right. Before we discuss this, we should say that, in fairness to both of these guys, their two-man game never got a chance to develop, right? Because you had Nick Batum with that preseason injury. They never got into that sort of game shape in terms of their in terms of their two man game, and when you watch them try to work off of each other so far this season, they don't always seem to be in sync about what should happen after that initial action. If the play goes to Nick Batum, and he works it to Dwight Howard, there's not always a kick out. There's not always a plan because it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page at all times. Uh, here's okay, yeah. So that was the evaluation. Of by Nick Batum of that game against Detroit, so he, he seemed to think it went a little better. Is that how you view it, Nick? Did it, did it seem like they had a little bit of a better groove against Detroit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dwight was he was still getting touches, but I I felt like the ball wasn't sticking as much with him. Um, I saw a little bit more just kind of going through the uh, screen and roll. Um, you know, Batum was still getting plenty of shots himself. You know, just, or, just, or at the very least, just feeling just it's getting involved. You know, I think a lot of times for players, it's just about touching the ball. And I mean, I and you can think about games in the past or just look back at certain plays where, you know, the ball just goes to Dwight and it just sticks there. And then it's just kind of like for the other players, it's just, they can, you know, especially for Doom, he just, okay, well, he's going to go to the hoop. So I'm just going to just stand here and let him do his thing. So yeah, um, it's good that it's good to see that since those initial comments. You know, I think after the what was it the the Jazz game, um, there's they're trying to make adjustments there. That you know, again, that shows they're trying to work through this process. David, yeah. what, yeah. what were your thoughts like, on the Dwight Howard Nick Batum relationship? Well, and also it felt like the the Pistons were were um, I don't know if they were helping that effort, but anytime these teams are doubling Dwight quick. Um, it feels like he's making more of an effort, doing a better job of getting that ball out quickly to other people. But yeah. uh, I, I just think that they're still, as a whole, I mean, the whole team is still trying to kind of piece this thing together, first of all with Dwight and then introducing Nick back into the fold. And his inconsistencies, honestly, is you know, it's not helping because you're not able to count on um, the same thing from him every night. But I feel like it is slowly but surely starting to get there, whether that's, you know, Dwight being, you know, handling, not getting it better or, 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 or Nick knowing that he might needs to get in there and get those touches for him or just Nick himself being more involved. Because I think that's the main thing that they want to see, right? They want to see nights like he had against Detroit where 14 points and he's spreading his, um, you know, spreading himself across the stat sheet. That's what he's got to do. So if that's the result and Dwight had a huge game too. So the thing they've got to figure out is when Dwight is not dominating, when he's not having one of those games like he did against Detroit where he's crashing the boards and got 21 points and he's efficient and he gets free throws, what do they do then, right? There's a little bit of a disconnect, I think, because everyone wants to see Nick Batum more involved in the game. The The, the coaching staff wants to see that. Nick Batum wants to be more involved in the offense, and fans want him to be more involved in the offense. But fans want him to score more, whereas yeah. Nick Batum, as Nick alluded to, just wants to touch the ball, just wants to have an opportunity to make a play. And when that's not happening, when they're exclusively running, um, when they're exclusively running things for Kimball Walker to get into the pick and roll, and then Dwight Howard 
sort of isolation post-ups, that's, I think, when, when Nick Batum starts to shut down, when he doesn't feel like he's a part of the process. But if you look back at that, that Detroit Pistons game, it, it still was a, lot of, was a lot of Kimba Dwight, Kimba opening up things yeah. for Dwight. And the reason it worked against Detroit is because Detroit was throwing out Avery Bradley and Ish Smith on Kimba Walker. Those are two guards who don't have a lot of size. They can't pressure Kemba. Kemba could have could get the ball to Dwight easily. What's been happening and right. why that play hasn't worked in games past, why they can't develop half-court offense consistently, is because teams have smartly put size on Kemba Walker in that pick-and-roll situation, and, and it's disrupted things. That's one of the reasons why they wanted to get the Batum-Howard relationship going in the pick-and-roll, because Batum could throw it over the top. But you just, for, for whatever reason, have not seen that. Even in that game against the Pistons, they were, not, they were not running that action a lot. But you've seen the usage for Dwight Howard go down. You've seen Dwight Howard be more willing to kick the ball out to Nick Batum. That's happening as well. It's just, they just don't seem in sync yet. We just haven't seen it right. be easy for those two yet. But here, this is interesting too, what Nick said at practice about that Detroit game. I feel like everybody like plays a role yesterday. You now we Dwight was a monster inside. He didn't try to do force anything. Came back I don't know, pretty tough for herself. Uh, you know he closed the deal like he used to. And Mike he did a good job on, on defense. I tried to be the, the playmaker once again. And you now everybody was stepping on the court. Now did his job and that was a good team win. Dwight didn't try to force things. I think that's where a lot of this frustration from Nick Batum is coming from. He sees the ball go down to Dwight. In the in the post, but the ball ends up coming back out because Dwight likes to like even when he has good post position. Sometimes Dwight will catch and then step out of the paint to try to face up his guy and take him off the dribble, and and too often that has ended up being a turnover or a a missed hook shot, you know, or 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 some kind of missed post move. It's just not a very effective play for the Hornets' offense and. And you you heard Nick Batum say it after that Jazz game. Like if that's the if that's the way you want to go, if that's the plan, if you want to get Dwight more looks like that, and we're winning, that's one thing. But when the team's not winning consistently, then something's obviously wrong. There's still the the bottom line is this offense is still trying to search for ways to involve Dwight Howard in the offense, and also have a positive offense. And I think the guys have got to move. Like those times that you mentioned, Doug, when he's stepping out and starting to face up, I mean, cutters have got to keep moving, right? They've got to give him some options and lanes to throw to. Maybe they are, and maybe it's just not happening enough, but they've got to stay involved and ready for a pass like MKG on a cut or Batum and Marvin, you know, any of those guys that can make lanes to the basket and not let Dwight, you know, shoot that bank. I'm, I'm willing to give him one bank attempt a game. I think it's funny. Uh, it's interesting. I can't yeah. wait for him to go in, but 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 like you're right, the further out the further out he is, you know, the worse it is for the offense. So they've got to keep moving and try and get that ball um, out of his hands when it's when it's not happening. I just, you know, like you said, it, it's. I don't think this was going to be solved in the first month of the season or even the first half of the season. Like this feels like a full season to get used to this um it's just such a different I, but i'm not just, and i don't know about you nick or david uh, but i'm not confident that it's ever going to work 
That's the thing. It's, it's taken a while, but I'm not sure. And I'm I'm willing to continue watching. We're seeing positive signs, so I'm willing to keep watching and see if if they start to develop. So there's not a go to. There's not better shooting, right? Like, well, yeah, it's it's, it's got to start with better shooting and and more shooting. I think yeah. maybe getting some plays for Marvin Williams to continue to continue his good shooting, but it, it's got to be good shooting from everyone. But I, I just I haven't seen a play that Nick and Dwight have run together. Uh, over the course of five or six games, that I go, yeah, that's their play. That's their get in the groove play. You know, I, I just haven't seen that develop between those two. I'm waiting on it. Um, but it's got to be better screening from Dwight Howard, better shot making from Nick Batum, and quicker decisions from everyone. I think that's been part of the problem too. Is the ball just cool. gets stuck and it doesn't move quick enough? Right. Well, let me ask you all this: like, what's you know, we we've always talked about the the Batum Zeller partnership and how well it's worked in the past. And um, I mean, what's what's kind of the reason for that? Like, because Cody always cuts off ball; he's always looking to fill in space, and Batum's kind of he recognizes that he finds him, so he's always found him for easy shots. I'm glad you brought this up, Nick. I'm glad you brought this up because at practice, at, at practice yesterday, but also over the course of the past few weeks, Nick Batum has talked a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot about Cody Zeller. He talks about Cody like I talk about season two of Westworld. Like it's almost back. I want it back so bad. It's almost here. Come on, HBO. Just give it to me like a couple of months early. And they developed such a great relationship in the pick and roll in previous years. And I think he misses that. But I also think he misses the unselfishness and frankly, the limited offensive usage of Cody Zeller. And, and the ball movement that would come with that and the quick decisions that come with getting the ball to Cody Zeller. Now, he, now Cody Zeller presented negatives that, that Dwight Howard counters as positives. But, it's, but those, the, the things that Dwight Howard brings as positives, defense, physicality, putback plays, those don't affect Nick Batum. Nick Batum doesn't have anything to do with those, so he's not, he's not seeing those, but you're hearing him talk a lot about Cody Zeller, and I think that means something. Well, obviously yeah. he's familiar with, but like Cody, there weren't a lot of audibles. Like it was either going to be one or two things, or it was on to the next right. thing for Nick. Like so, he didn't have to think about what Cody's going to do and then what he's got to do. It's so like they're still in that thinking mode. Yes, he and it's not it's not purely reactionary yet. Yeah, and the question yeah, I, I, like I think that still hasn't been answered is who has to make that adjustment? Is it Batum? Is it Howard? Or is it both of them? And then the other question is. Okay. How long will it take to get on the same page? And is there something this coaching staff can do uh, in game and in practice to get them some go-to plays that will that will work for both of these guys and get them more involved with each other? It's it's going to take like honestly. I mean, they're they're going to have to like they're going to have to stick it out because both are here. Or at least Dwight's here for another year. Nick's here for what feels like eternity. Um, but um, so they're going to like, you know, it could honestly come down to they figure it out this summer and maybe they try to do something. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's or, or they don't. I don't know. But one one note just to kind of I was looking at this. We talk about Nick being more aggressive. Um, last three games, he's averaged double figures in shot attempts. Um, he's actually back to where his his shot attempts average previous two seasons, about 12 and a half shots per game. And he's shooting around about that these past three games. Yeah. Um, he's not making many of them, mind you. Um, but at least that's a sign that since the Dallas game, which was the one he had issue with, it yeah. feels like, um, he's starting to get more involved 
He's starting to take more shots. They just have to start falling now. And it's different for different players. And and for Nick, I mean, you can see it. You spoke to it. Like when he shoots, that seems to get him involved in the rest of the game. Like for some guys, it's on defense. For some guys, it's easy shots at the basket. For some guys, it's free throws. Like for Dwight, I think it's, you know, literally just touches. And for Nick too, like when he gets some of those shots, it just helps him stay involved in the game. And it's weird because he's not like a guy that hunts shots. Like he wants shots, but you can just see it. He just disappears if he doesn't stay involved. And so I think those shots are are a factor. You want to see him have about 12 shots a game. And, well, and right how much of long. this – look, you, you brought Dwight Howard in who obviously is going to want and need touches – but how much of this, too, is MKG being more aggressive on offense? They certainly look for MKG's offense more than they have uh, since since he's been here. I mean, they look for him uh, to drive, cut, and and make baskets inside or pull up and hit that mid-range shot. Like, that's something that is built in to the offense for better and worse, and, and I think that's affecting things as well. So, bottom line, the Hornets have some things to figure out offensively. Uh, they have been playing better offensively. They're about 15th in the league over the past 10 games, uh, but Coach Clifford says they need to get to 12. They need to get maybe even to 10 uh, to put this thing uh, in, in gear for a possible playoff run. And it starts tonight against the Washington Wizards. Tip-off at 7 o'clock p.m. right here in Charlotte. The Wizards are 25-19, and 19, fifth place in the East, uh, this is where the Hornets were projected to be, by the way. Fifth place in the East. This is where they wanted to be. And now they've won six wins in ten games. They have an opportunity in this game to begin to prove that they deserve to be in the playoff discussion with a second straight win against a top eight team in the East. They got the win against Detroit. That was step one. I think beating Washington. And, and maybe if they can beat Miami, Miami's fourth in the East. Then all of a sudden things get interesting. But those are both big ifs. The Wizards are also winners of six of their last ten and are 500 on the road. Uh, the last time the Hornets and Wizards hooked up, it was one of the most exciting games of the season. November 22nd, it was Kimba Walker's most clutch performance of the season. He hit a layup and two free throws to send the game into overtime where they would finally get a win after regulation. I think, uh, David, we thought that could have been a turning point for the Hornets yeah. at that point, but they they just couldn't. They couldn't build off of it. Uh, what's what's the opportunity? What's the situation for the Hornets as they prepare to take on the Washington Wizards? Guys, I mean, it continues to be all about the Hornets, um, almost regardless of, of of matchup here. I mean, but I think in this one, obviously, you're watching for Beal and Wall. Doug, you mentioned the frustrations that longer taller guards and backcourts can give Kemba Walker. That's going to be big in this one. But I'm looking at the rebounding. You know, Charlotte does well when Dwight Howard is getting his rebounds and they're dominating the boards. And the other area still is going to be they've got to be able to convert at the free throw line and get there, especially if they're not shooting well. Hopefully the strong shooting will continue. Uh, but for them to keep up with Washington, you know, they don't create a lot of easy buckets, uh, the Hornets that is. So I think the further they can get to the free throw line, continue that advantage there, and then win the battle on the boards. Because I think Dwight will have a chance to get a little bit of an advantage inside against some of those uh, smaller Washington like wing guards and, and post players. Frank Kaminsky listed as questionable for this game. He rolled his right ankle in the last game against Detroit. That was the same ankle that he sprained against Golden State uh, several weeks ago, or more than a month ago. That was the same game that uh, Cody Zeller um, uh, had to have the, the knee injury that resulted in surgery for him as well. Uh, so uh, Frank questionable, but he did everything they that they that the rest of the team did in practice. 
So a possibility that he plays, if he does not play, that you can expect more Johnny O'Brien, possibly more minutes for Dwight with the bench, and and more minutes maybe for Marvin Williams as well. Maybe some Travion Graham at the four. They've done that before as well. Uh, Nick, what do you see in this game against the Wizards and Hornets as possible keys? Uh, just kind of building up what we've been talking about today. Just uh, does the Dwight um, Batum relationship continue to show progress or at least signs like, you know, um, that's, it's really, I think going to be a big key in whether this offense starts to work more or, you know, operate more like we want it to. Um, so, you know, as David said, I want this to be, I'm more concerned about the Hornets, um, and specifically that, that relationship. Cause I think the other things will be okay. Um, you know, I think we can generally expect to see a solid Kemba Walker game. Um, the bench has been playing, Better in most games of of late, not all of them, but you know, starting to see a little bit more consistency. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my key. All right, I'll talk about the Wizards. The Wizards have some of the same problems they've had over the years because they don't address them in the off season. They have inconsistency issues. They take games off offensively. They take games off defensively. So uh, when they're locked in, both offensively and defensively, like if you look at it over the year, over the course of the year, they're top ten in both. They should be a team that is untouchable, and yet they've lost 19 games because there are literally games when they play no defense and literally games when they play no offense. So they have consistency issues. Uh, they have bench scoring issues. They have late-game offense issues, and their three-point shooting is, is a light switch. It turns on and off. Uh, interestingly, the Hornets and Wizards have a common problem they both have a wing player that has regressed, disappears in games, and is generally viewed as not aggressive enough. We've talked a lot about that in terms of Nick Batum, but for the Wizards, it's Otto Porter. Porter had an amazing uh, breakout year last season, was one of the best three-point shooters in the league and one of, one of the most dependable wing scorers in the league. Uh, but this year, he's regressed in nearly every aspect of his game. And you've heard John Wall speak publicly about the need to get him involved earlier and more often, and also the need for Porter to shoot better. I'm kind of wondering why there hasn't been that talk in the Hornets locker room, like some some people speaking out. But that's you know generally not the kind of locker room. Wizards thing. That's kind of a Wizards thing. It's not a Hornets thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they are also, the Wizards are still great at some of the things that they've been great at over, over these past few years in the Wall-Beal era. Of course, they're great at converting at the rim. They're, they're great at creating steals and fast break points. In fact, they get out into transition as much as they run pick-and-roll ball handler plays. That's amazing. I mean, pick-and-roll ball handler has become such a dominant, has such a dominant place in so many offenses, yet this Wizards team finds a way to get out into transition just as much, and they are extremely effective. Uh, fourth place, according to Synergy, in the league in uh, points per possession on transition play. So the Hornets will be tested. Their transition defense, which is generally a focus for them, will be highly tested uh, in this game. And because of the way that the Wizards push the ball, they can score in bunches. I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the last matchup, the Hornets faced a 10 or so point deficit several times in that game. They got it they they got into overtime and ended up winning the game, but they were down 10 in the third, they were down 10 in the fourth, and the Hornets never gave up. And that's what it's going to take to win tonight's game as well. I think you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see them, you know, Beal get into transition, knock down threes, Wall get to the rim in transition, and they can run you up 12 points. They're just not always going to defend you well if they don't get the steal. 
they might give up the basket. And and so the Hornets just have to stick with things. I think that you got to attack the Gortat-Howard matchup, get him involved early, get Batum involved early, and Kimba Walker late, and the Hornets uh, could have a chance to win this game. Wizards are 24th in free throw rate allowed, according to Cleaning the Glass as well. So uh, if the Hornets can yep. get to the line, they Which might they have do. a chance too. Which they do. Interesting to see what the crowd looks like tonight, Doug. The snow is coming down. I, I might, think? you know, I traveled to the studio for the show. I might have to go back home if it's going to. You got to get out of there, bro. <laughs> All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. Join us for the listener draft later today on draft.com. Sign up. Use our promo code LO Hornets. Follow me on there, LOH Doug, and you will get notifications when we send out our listener drafts. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of this game against the Washington Wizards. For David and Nick, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Mm-hmm.